Welcome to the In Plain Language Podcast. My name is Kelsey, and I'm the founder of Multi the Blue Tiger Bilingual Children's Books, found in homes and classrooms around the world. I'm truly so excited that you're here. You want your child's speech and language skills to thrive, which is exactly what this podcast will help make happen. Every other week, we'll be bringing you direct, tangible advice and tips about speech and language from top experts around the world. These are the language tools that will make an incredible difference in your child's life. Be sure to pick up your copy of Multi the Blue Tiger, available in English and Spanish and English and French on Amazon today to help your child learn new language skills and embrace their unique voice. You can also find our new read-along and interactive audiobooks that teach kids Spanish at multithebluetiger.com. Of course, across the country right now, many children are suddenly at home due to school closures. Perhaps your family is in this situation. We're here to help however we can. Whether your child's school is conducting classes online or not, there are a number of ways you can help foster their continued learning, growth, and critical thinking at home. Whether you're working from home yourself right now or helping your kids learn on the weekends. But then the question remains, When school is closed, how do you keep kids focused on learning and motivated to learn at home? To answer that question, I talked to two homeschooling parents who have been doing this for a while, and they have fantastic tips for keeping kids learning at home, plus they share their favorite activities, games, and advice for when you feel utterly overwhelmed. After all, they've been there themselves. One common piece of advice I noticed right away was to be strategic about planning your day. Now, this doesn't mean color coding your child's schedule for the next day, unless you find that helpful. Uh, You know, that's something we've all seen on Instagram or Pinterest. But it can be helpful to put a general plan in place tonight to help you out tomorrow, says Julia Medrick, a mom of two based in Wisconsin, who's homeschooling her four-year-old son. She's also the founder of the blog Northwoods Children, which is all about learning through play, nature, and reading. However, she says to skip the hour-by-hour planning. That gets a little overwhelming, especially when my my children don't read clocks yet and they don't understand an hour has gone by, so we need to restart something new. I am not a huge color coat. I like to stay organized, but I don't think... I think you need to think of it as not a rigorous routine, but like a flexible routine. And there is simple ways you can go about this just simple like simply making a schedule for the day like you know wake up get dressed and then we're going to move on to books lunch do some math just write it all out what you want your day to look like but don't get too too color coded because it's going to become too overwhelming for you especially if you fall behind 10 minutes and then you're you're all of a sudden 10 minutes into your next hour you were hoping for, and then you're going to feel behind. I do believe that uh, to set up a good day starts the night before. So if you want to set yourself up for success, put some things out, pre-make your coffee, if that's helpful, set an alarm, and maybe even get up before your kids just so you could have a little bit of you time before the craziness begins. (laughs) And then um, when your kids do get up, start, start small with a rhythm, like, okay, we're going to eat breakfast and then we're going to get dressed. And then maybe we're going to go sit on the couch and read some books. And that is 
awesome if that's how far you get for the first day you're homeschooling. For Saida Sanjita, a mom of two based in Florida and co-founder of Homeschool Panda, who's homeschooling her nine-year-old and 10-year-old, organizing the days so that more challenging subjects fall in the middle can be helpful for keeping kids focused. I think for many students, they might feel like this is like an extended break, like an extended spring break. So how do you pull them away from that mentality? Um, So I would advise parents to focus on topics and subjects that really intrigues and interest their students. Um, So for example, with my girls, um, I start our homeschool day with a focus on something or an item that would engage them the most. So we usually start our day with a game or a read aloud from a book that really focuses on the topics that we're learning without, you know, it being like math because, uh, you know, one of my daughter doesn't really dislikes math. So it's not something that I would start off earlier part of the homeschool day. I would put it in the kind of the middle um, so that way they are, uh, they feel engaged, they feel excited. It's like a game or um, something that, um, you know, is interesting to them. In fact, thinking of ways to regularly turn subjects that are less engaging for your kids into games can be helpful. And there are plenty of ways you can do this, says Saida. Um, There are some times that I make it into a game or a contest. So they focus on like a prize. And so they feel more vested in that. Um, And then the prizes can vary. It can be something like, whereas my youngest, she really likes something tangible. Whereas my oldest just, you know, it just feels, you know, great just feeling the winning. Yes, so I think we have uh, Professor Noggins. Those are really great games that can teach you about history, science. Uh, We have uh, Sum Swamp and Prime Climb for math that we love. Uh, We have several other language arts games as well. Um, Basically just, uh, they're like story cards. You know, they look at the pictures, they narrate a story. Uh, we have um, some things are that I make at home, like uh, kind of like conversation starter. So they would just journal write about a topic that they pick from like, uh, like a jar that I have filled with um, prompts. Um, so uh, you can really find games for anything, science, <laughs> language arts, math. Uh, it's just there's abundance. So sometimes you don't even have to. There are some days that we just play games and we're, we're still hitting every subject without really even having to open a textbook. Of course, for the younger ages, most learning will take place through play. Julia says that she entices her four-year-old to partake in learning activities by allowing him to discover them himself. I I have found the best way to get my four-year-old to be engaged is to set up an area for him and then kind of let him stumble upon it and see it for himself. Like, hey, that looks fun over there. And then he'll, I won't give him any like guidelines like this these are the rules what we're going to be doing today it's like he's just finding this little fun area he finds the sandbox maybe and starts putting up the little flashcards and he'll start just tracing the letters himself um so if we're going to be learning a new letter of the month we'll get out some finger paint maybe or we will get magnets out or have a little sandbox and draw in the sand the letter we're not really I'm not focused on having my four-year-old grip a pencil the perfect way and start writing his name yet. 
If you want to instantly engage your preschooler, Julia recommends setting up a sensory bin where your child can play with items that stimulate their senses like sight and touch. Educators love sensory play because it helps children build a wide range of cognitive skills, including observation, sorting, categorizing, and fine motor skills. Plus, it can give you the chance to get through your to-do list. We do sand. We do um, water beads are great. Um, little rocks, just some fun soapy water with little rubber duckies in it even. Um, and that is a good activity too for my, my one and a half year old as well. He can start playing with those sensory items because he's not putting... <laughs> He's not really putting things in his mouth anymore, so he can join in on the fun. It's a little more messy, but it's definitely worth it. And if you need to get something done, I highly recommend setting up a sensory bin for your your kid to find and play with because they can play for about 15, 20 minutes without leaving that area. And they're they're definitely engaged. It can, of course, also be challenging to motivate older kids to latch onto subjects they're not interested in. But for this, Saida has a few different tried and true strategies. <laughs> Kids and complaining. <laughs> that Does that happen? <laughs> it actually <laughs> happens a lot with us. So um, I never force them on a subject if I see that they're not interested, because if they're not interested in it, then they're not really going to give it their all. And it's going to frustrate me and it's going to frustrate them. And it's not going to be really fruitful at the end. Um, so what I do is I usually put aside um, and start with a different subject that they would have more of an interest in. And then um, I go back and I look at why they weren't interested in, in it. Um, it. Could it be that it's more difficult? Maybe it's repetitive, so it's kind of boring. Or maybe the topic is just dull. And so then I try to engage them by trying to make it into a game. I sometimes set aside a timer and saying, okay, let's do this for like, you know, 15 minutes or, you know, that as soon as the timer is done, then you get to stop but give it your all while you're doing this activity. And then sometimes uh, we will just, um, if it's math, sometimes I'll say, okay, how about you help me with the math? I will write down the answers on this page. And then the next page you, you know, my daughter would. And so we would just keep uh, swapping and then get it done that way. Sometimes we start doing the math on the chalkboard, which seems more fun than writing it on a paper. <laughs> Strangely enough, it just changes their mood sometimes. Um, and then there are some days it's just not going the way that I want it to. So then I just scrap it and I just say, okay, you know what? I'll just start fresh, you know the uh, next day and then because we're homeschooling sometimes we can just you know catch up and sometimes do those activities on the weekend and it's just sometimes it's just day you know like we all go through emotions and feelings and kids do the same thing and sometimes they're not able to express it so it's really helpful to understand it and taking a step back because that's one of the places I think I struggled in the early on because I just thought I had to have them completed. But then I realized that not only does it, you know, ruin my day, it ruins their day as well because I'm not happy. And if I'm not happy, then it kind of trickles down to them. On that note, it can also be useful to just reconsider what things you're saying no to, especially with younger kids, says Julia. A lot of times we do like to say no and they, there might not actually be a reason we're saying no to them. 
So when I do my sensory bins, it can be messy and I could hover over them and say, oh, please keep it all in the bin like every two seconds. But I recommend finding yourself, try to find yourself saying yes. And is, do you really have a good reason to say no? Um, and let messes happen and clean it up when it's all done. I found that just simply vacuuming sand up works just fine. If it gets on the floor, it's no big deal. And if you're feeling overwhelmed by the challenge of keeping your kids learning at home, it's completely understandable. Saida says she's also been there. Whenever I feel burdened with something or something that I'm not loving, I feel overwhelmed or I'm feeling pressured by outside um, you know, outside sources. So what I try to do and what I would advise others is to focus on building that connection with the children more than seeing what others are doing and what we think that our children should be doing because we all learn at a different, you know, different phase. My two girls are totally different. You know, they're siblings, but they learn completely differently. So I can't compare one child with the other. So um, I would you know, advise to focus on building that connection with the, with the children, you know, reading books. Um, baking is one of our favorite thing to do at home, and it really kind of just calms us down. Um, and along the way, they're learning math, they're reading, you know, the instructions, and, um, you know, sometimes uh, watching a documentary on a topic that can but just trying to take the pressure off of the traditional academics, uh, because I know myself homeschooling for several years. There are still days that I feel overwhelmed. So I can only imagine how hard it might be for parents who, you know, have never been in this situation and are kind of just now thrown into it. So, um, and then there's so many lesson plans and worksheets and schedules are floating around the web that you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing all of this. Okay, I'm not doing all of this. So you feel overwhelmed. So I think sometimes taking a break from that you know, like that social media or that, you know, just f concentrating more on your family, your kids and your children and how you like to teach and what you like to teach. As for Julia, she says that when she feels overwhelmed, a change of scenery can make a huge difference. I think going outside is the, is the, the golden ticket to that one. Once we go outside, it's like, oh yeah, we should have done this a long time ago. My house stays cleaner. The boys can make all the messes they want outside and they can climb and play and kind of be a, a lot more free in what they're doing outside. And when in doubt, add water. So if it's too cold to go outside, if you think, or it's just not the right weather, you know, sticking them in a fun bath. Um, one, of, one of my curriculums has this activity where um, you can set up like a muffin tin with shaving cream and some maybe a little bit of food coloring and they can just paint on the walls in the bathtub. I mean, it's a little messy, but it's super easy to clean up and it lasts a very, very long time. I think just, just the one thing I do want to hit home with is you're not trying to recreate school at home. You're, you're doing what's best for you and your family at this time. And if all you're doing is snuggling and reading books and and playing, all the other things that they might not be getting at home is going to fall into place. The math is going to come back. The 
the language arts will be there, the history will be, come back, and you're already doing a fabulous job with your kids. We'll be back with a new episode of In Plain Language in two weeks. In the meantime, if you can write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that is life to all of us who work so hard to produce and contribute to each and every episode. For more language inspiration and tips, follow Multi the Blue Tiger on social media and be sure to pick up your copies of the book, available in English and Spanish or English and French, on Amazon today. You can also find signed editions of the book with a personalized note for your little one and bilingual audiobooks at multithebluetiger.com to give the kids in your life the incredible gift of language and confidence in their unique voices.